I invite you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, and we're beginning a new series today called Here and There. It's uh, something we're going to be looking at over the next four to five weeks, and we're going to talk about uh, this journey that we're on. Uh, this journey from life to death. We, we know that uh, some people would say, well, there's, there's two things that are certain, death and taxes. Well, um, as you know, this journey that we're on that's called life, it, it, is, it is birth and death. It's life and death. There's a beginning and an end, but thankfully there's so much more. Hopefully it's not a surprise to you that uh, when I say this, that, that you were created by God. You're created in his image. You weren't just created by God. You were created in his image. And, and hopefully it's not a surprise to you either that within each one of us, God has wired us for eternity. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 says that, that God has placed within each human, this, he set eternity in our hearts. So we're eternal beings but you see, as this perspective starts to open and we, we start to take a step back and, and assess what life is all about, that it's, it's much more than just uh, life and death. It's, it's much more than that. And we start to take that on that eternal perspective. There's this tension that we have because we have this affinity and this understanding of the big picture, and yet we, we live and we dwell in time and space in the here and the now. And there's this tension that's going on. You see, we're wired for eternity, yet we're firmly planted, men and women. You might be an electrician or a manager or a teacher or a parent or a doctor or a nurse or a student. You see, we're here right now, even though we're wired for eternity. As you know, I, I, I'm a runner. I like to run. Um, I started my running, uh, if you might say, my career back in, uh, in grade school. It was actually sixth grade. And uh, I, I love to run. In high school, I ran distance uh, running. Uh, Dana is a runner. And so Gabe, our son, comes by it honestly. Uh, we're a running family. And back when I was in my 30s, um, I, I made this decision that I wanted to run a marathon. It always been a dream of mine, but in my 30s, I, I, I just felt a little bit more of an urgency. And it was this, uh, this idea that I wanted to run a marathon before I turned 40. So it gave me a few years. I think I might have been 34, 35 at the time. And I started reading about it. I started doing some research and I decided I am going, this is the year I'm going to do it. And I started I had the finish line in my mind. I could envision it. I could, I could sense it. I could feel it. It was something that was a, a goal for me. It was a target for me. I could really see myself finishing. But you know what? The reality of it was there was a long way between saying, yes, I'm going to run a marathon and getting to that finish line. I tell you that first week was torture because I was so far away from that finish line. I tell you that second week wasn't much better. And the long run on the third week, and you see where I'm going, I was, I was 16 weeks away from even getting in a car and driving up to Chicago. Even when we got in the car and my bags were packed and, and we started making that, that our way up to Chicago, I still wasn't close to the finish line. There was still a long way to go, a lot of things to learn, a lot of things. I'd never been there before. 
the day of the race, standing at the starting line with thousands of other people. I still wasn't at the finish line. It was still out there somewhere. It was a a long way out there, trust me. And even as the race started, the first turn and the second turn and the first mile and the second mile, there there was distance to go. You see, just as much as I was wired for the finish line and I, I could envision the finish line, there was, there was a journey, there was a, a distance that needed to be uh, passed. There was a lot of miles, a lot of days, a lot of workouts, a lot of lessons to learn, a lot of tips. Do you know that when you're running in a marathon and you stop at a water stop, there's a certain way, there's a, a more efficient way to drink from those little tiny cups? This is these little tips that you learn along the way. There were disappointments. There were days of encouragement. There were days that were good days. There were bad days. Trust me, even in the marathon, there were good miles and there were bad miles. You see, there's a lot of life between the here and now and the then and there. So how do we live? How, how, do, how do you focus your mind? How do you focus your thoughts, your deeds, your actions in the here and now in light of the then and there? We're wired for eternity, but how do we live today? How do we live tomorrow? How do we live the next day? How do we live our lives under the very real perspective of eternity, putting one foot in front of the other today, tomorrow, and next week. Take a look at Acts chapter 16. In verse 16 of Acts 16, we have the story of Paul and Silas. They're on this missionary journey and they're, they're, they're spending some time in this city called Philippi. It's a city in Macedonia. It's a Roman colony. And this is what we read in Acts chapter 16, verse 16. It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And and that's important. Make note of that. She earned a great deal of money for her owners. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. It's kind of a a, a comical story. Uh, If you ever read through this and and here Paul and Silas are going through, they're going to the place of prayer and there's this this woman with an evil spirit that's been earning money, telling uh, fortunes for those around her. And she's been following Paul and Silas around, yelling this out. And it's kind of like that that one parent at the baseball game, at your your kid's baseball game. You you, you all know that that one parent. You know, the one parent who um, uh, is, you know, just can't say anything nice about the, the umpires. The, that one parent who can't say anything good about the kids who are playing the game, uh, and particularly their own kid. And you, you almost cringe with embarrassment when this parent is calling. You know, that one parent who, who is criticizing everything your kid's coach does wouldn't it be nice if you could just kind of go down the person and cast the spirit out? I, I don't recommend it, but you know, it's that, it's that irritating person. And, and so Paul here, it's, it is really quite comical. Paul turns and casts the spirit out. It, it's hilarious. 
Well, here they cast out this irritating evil spirit. And as it turns out, her owners and, and her masters, they take a hit financially. Like, this was their moneymaker. And now all of a sudden that moneymaker is gone. Their income was gone. So they had Paul and Silas seized and then dragged them into the marketplace uh, before the rulers. Take a look at verse 22. It says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, then they were thrown in prison. You know, I, I mentioned that Paul and Silas were on this missionary journey. Uh, it, it means they're on mission. They were, they were in being intentional with their lives, what they were doing. They were, they were purposeful. It was meaningful. They were on a quest. They, they definitely had a purpose and a destination in mind. And in their case, they were witnessing to the gospel of Jesus Christ, this message of salvation. And, and yet all of a sudden, this whole thing, this whole mission comes screeching to a halt and there's this instant setback. And now their reality is prison. Maybe you're feeling like that a little bit today. Maybe you're feeling a little bit like that during this season of isolating. You know, this COVID-19, you know, call it what it is. It's somewhat of a prison. Maybe your screech to a halt is a job loss or a financial crisis. Maybe it's illness. Maybe it's grief. I, I tell you, last weekend, I was not in a, in a good place. I was dealing with a lot of grief. There's just uh, that place I found myself in. Maybe you're there today. Maybe you're dealing with relationship issues. Maybe a relationship failure. Maybe you're feeling alone. Maybe you're struggling with addictions. Maybe you're struggling with, a, uh, with some self-destructive habits. Whatever it is in the big picture, it's a setback. So the question is, how do you keep moving forward? How do you keep putting one foot in front of the other? I want us to take a look at what happened next in this story. Verse 25, Acts chapter 16. We read, about midnight, Paul and Silas were... And I want to ask you this. Does it say they were feeling sorry for themselves? And Paul and Silas, around midnight, hey, they were feeling sorry for themselves. They were nursing their wounds. They were, they were comparing their, their bad experiences. They were feeling abandoned by God. They were bewildered about what was going on. They were crying in agony and despair. No, that's not what we read. What we read might surprise you. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Did you get that? They're in prison. They've been beaten. They've been flogged for no apparent reason other than doing the work of God. And here, they're praising God. They're praying and they're singing hymns. And it says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. It was amazing. The jailer woke up and when he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. You see, he was responsible for them. And if they escaped, he was going to be killed. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, 
rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, there was a supernatural encounter. Something happened on this, in the supernatural realm. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house at that hour of the night. The jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before him. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. And then it goes on to say, when it was daylight, the magistrates sent for the officers to the, ja- uh, to the jailer with the order. So they sent these officers up to the jail and they said, release the, the, the prisoners, release the men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. You see, the tendency for us is to double down and to start managing things and to start uh, trying to conjure up within ourselves how we're going to get out of this, how we're going to um, fix this. Even now, you might be thinking, how am I going to manage? How am I going to, to tomorrow take care of this? And you might even have a shopping list, A, B, C, D. Here, Paul and Silas could have done the exact same thing. How are we going to fight back? How are we going to control? They could have easily gone into that place of feeling like the victim, feeling like they were being persecuted or targeted. Here, Paul and Silas could have fought against the injustice and complained about the inconvenience. But no, that wasn't the case. Instead, what was their response? It was praying and praising and singing and worshiping testifying for all to hear. You see, it wasn't even something that they kept to themselves. In the midst of it, it was something that they were proclaiming even through the prison, the faithfulness of God. And you see, on that journey, even in the midst of the detour, even in the midst of the setback, they were off course, in despair, they were frustrated. God's eternal purposes were being fulfilled. They were able to step back and see the bigger picture. Again, in our present reality, in your present reality today, isolation, crisis, should we call it imprisonment, longing for businesses to reopen, longing for us to get back to what we would consider normal, longing to get back to our purpose, to our mission, Hear me, don't miss the opportunity that you have today. You know, it's so easy to get looking ahead, looking down the road. I remember when Gabe was, was our, our boy was, was two, I, I, I kept looking for that next milestone. You know, you get comparing notes with, with other families and going, hey, is your kid walking? Is your kid to, uh, potty trained? Is your kid, uh, you know, doing math equations? Is your kid able to, able to write the, the ABCs in cursive? And, and you're, you're competing and you're always looking for that next accomplishment. And I remember one time the Lord just convicting me and saying, enjoy today. Just slow down and enjoy today. You know, it's so easy for us right in the here and the now, right in your living room right now as you're thinking about tomorrow and the next day and the next week. It's so easy to get longing and hoping for that next big step. But I want to encourage you to think about what is God speaking to you about today? 
I don't want you to miss what God is saying. Let's not miss what God is doing. Don't miss God's eternal purposes. Don't forget where the journey is taking you, the destination and the eternity. But at the same time, don't lose sight of what God is doing in the here and now either. Know that He's here. God is in the here and God is in the now. And be reminded that praise brings provision. Even in the midst of your setting, praise brings provision. I'm inviting the worship team to come up and join me. And I want to share a scripture from Hebrews chapter 12. It's a familiar scripture before we close. The writer to the Hebrews wrote these words, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run the race with perseverance. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love this part. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I encourage you today to fix your eyes on Jesus. You see, just like the marathon training, just like each and every day, each and every week, each and every step that was leading one step closer to that finish line, each and every step, each and every day, God wants to speak and God wants to move and God wants to use you. My question is, how are you going to run the race? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your promise that even in these times of, of setbacks, even in these detours of our lives, you are here. You are with us. You are speaking. Lord, yes, you've wired us for the eternal. You've wired us for eternity. And yet, Lord, you've provided us with all that we need to take the step today. Lord, I pray that you would speak loudly. Lord, you'd bring wisdom to men and women, to young and old. Lord, that you would provide today. And that, Lord Jesus, our response, even in the midst of all this, would be praise. Because as, as Paul and Silas found out, praise brings your provision. And Lord, we might, be, we might be frustrated with the setbacks. We might be frustrated with those curveballs that are, are coming our way. But Lord, may we be people of praise. May we be people of worship. Lord, even in that, so what Paul and Silas experienced was their praise and their worship having a profound effect on those around them. Not just the others in jail, but those who were overseeing the jail. So much so that the jailer and his entire household were saved. So Lord, the way we walk through our lives today, the way that we walk through our lives this week, navigating uh, the days and, the, and the, the tasks and the roles ahead, Lord, I pray that our relationship with you and our praise and our worship would be a witness to those around us. We love you, Lord. We receive your peace, your provision for today. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me just say this, that if we can be of an assistance to you in any way, shape, or form, uh, we're here to pray. We're here to, uh, to listen, to, uh, to talk. Um, 
reach out to us. Call the church office, email us, uh, visit the church website. Uh, Any way that we can connect with you, we'd love to do that. Our prayer is very soon we'll be back together meeting, but until then, uh, let's stay connected and pray with one another. Um, We'd love to support you uh, in the spiritual journey that you're on. So the Lord bless you, the Lord bless your home and your family, your comings and goings in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.